The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When a young man is up late playing video games, he thinks the only thing he has to worry about is getting spawn camped. But then he realized something was watching him from the darkness outside his bedroom. And then we take a look at the story of three young boys at home with their teenage babysitter. Many people often say they wish they could see a UFO. This story is so terrifying, you'll never say that again. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. This is the last episode of this chunk. It's not the end of the season. The next two weeks are going to be classic episodes. I picked some really good ones, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And then there's going to be a week of no episodes. I'm actually going to be physically gone on vacation. I won't be home. But I'm bringing a microphone in case there's some breaking news. We have to do any sort of podcasting stuff. But we will be back the first week of September, uh, last week of August, somewhere around there. I'm still trying to figure everything out. It's been a whirlwind past couple weeks just trying to get these episodes together but someone who's never a whirlwind someone who's a light gentle breeze hopefully blowing in is that that a thing people are called is that a compliment i think it is blowing into dead rabbit command everyone give it up for our newest patreon supporter meredith riddle Woo! yeah come on in come on in meredith she's like made of smoke and clouds and stuff like that She's like, what? No, I'm a normal carbon-based human. Why now am I a wisp of air since you just needed that weird segue? Meredith, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Now, Meredith, you lucked out. This is a pretty creepy episode. I'm assuming you like creepy stuff if you listen to this podcast. Meredith, we're going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Let's get it out of the garage. We're driving all the way out from Dead Rabbit Command to... Some dude's house. They didn't give us a location. It's an anonymous story, but we're going to some dude's house. You know what's interesting? It's such a small world. These stories could be taking place somewhere around me. I don't know if I've ever announced on the show. I don't know if I've ever announced this. We've talked about it on the Patreon Discord. I've talked it with listeners in real life. Hans Vermhat, the very famous Hans Vermhat, longtime friend of the show. He wouldn't describe it as that. I doubt that he likes the show if he knows about it. Hans Vermhat lives in Oregon, and I live in Oregon. So who knows? We might have passed each other's paths at one point. You may be my boss, for all I know. I should walk up to my boss and be like, hey, man, how do, how do you feel about monkeys? And see what he says. Small world, though, isn't it? Hans Vermhat and Jason Carpenter. I, I almost don't even feel like I'm in the same category as him, right? Hans Vermhat Worm, Hans is an icon. I would not consider myself... On the level, like, of the stature of Hans Vermhat. This show could become the next Joe Rogan podcast. It could have 10 million listeners a day. And I'd still be like, but I'm I'm, not, but I'm no Hans Vermhat. He's an icon, you know what I mean? 
So not that I agree with stuff he says, because I'll be honest with you, this isn't a Hans Wormhat segment. I, I'm talking about this just randomly, but for people who this is their first episode there, who's Hans Wormhat? Hans Wormhat doesn't believe monkeys exist, believes that space doesn't exist, that space believes that the color orange is satanic. Those are like the fun stuff that I talk about. He also has these other conspiracy theories that I'm I'm shocked he hasn't been kicked off YouTube. It's one thing to say monkey. I guess this has become a Hans Wormhat thing. I hope this isn't one of those rant episodes. Hans Wormhat. He monkeys don't exist. Fine, that's a funny conspiracy theory. He believes that every monkey you've ever seen is animated. Not not like not like a little Magilla Gorilla guy, but. Like a drawing or animatronics or a puppet? Monkeys don't exist. Gorillas don't exist. It's an evil plot to make humans believe in evolution, which is satanic. See, that's why they fake the monkeys in the first place. Monkeys don't exist. He also believes... I remember this was so weird. I was like, oh, I can't cover that that on my show, bro. He doesn't believe that the slave trade existed in the United States. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? And he'll has this whole video. I'll put it in. I'll risk my YouTube channel by putting it in the show notes. If it's still up, right? The video could have gotten taken down. I don't even know what I'm talking about. This is just off the top of my head. Hans Vermhat doesn't believe there are any slaves in America. Zero. And he goes, here's his proof. He would show like drawings of boats. And he goes, look at how many people they stored on these boats. Like that's inhumane. You can never in any way, shape or form put a bunch of people on a boat like that. And, you know, have them not, like, have not, like, half of them die. Yeah, dude, that was, like, what made it so horrible. Was the fact that it was completely inhumane. They treated the slaves like they were, like, barrels of water, right? They just stored as many as they could on. You knew you were going to lose 15% of them coming over. Yeah, dude, that's the point. That's why people don't like slavery. It's inhumane. He doesn't believe that the American slave trade ever existed, which I'm very curious because he's very religious. I wonder if he thinks that the Egyptians had slaves, like they enslaved the Israelites. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't done a video on that. Yeah, but he believes that there was no slaves in America. Zero. Oh, that's so weird. That's like absolutely bizarre. I wonder what would happen if he got a hold of the World War II never existed. We covered that on a podcast a long time ago. World War II never happened. It was all crisis actors. Your grandpa is <laughs> your grandpa was in on it. I had a bunch of relatives who fought in World War II. They're all in on it. It was all a stage show. World War II never existed. Slave trade never existed. Just for the just for the censors out there. I'm not saying that. Hans Vermhat, though, lives in Oregon. <laughs> that was the whole point of that. It went all the way from Hans Vermhat lives in the same state as I do to possibly nuking my YouTube channel. Absolutely bizarre. I do love conspiracy theories. So when you meet people who genuinely believe in them, it's just so fascinating. I used to. I, I talked about that on the show. I never believed that World War II never happened. I never believed that monkeys don't exist. But I've believed in, you know, other big conspiracy theories. Meredith, let's go ahead and get this episode actually started. We're pulling up to this young dude's house. He goes by the online name Tiz Me Flow. We're going to go ahead and call him Terry. Terry, 16-year-old boy, has a habit of staying up late playing video games. Living the dream, right? Isn't that awesome? You're running around, you're playing some Team Fortress 2, you're playing some Killing Floor. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Killing them clots. 
blowing him up. Maybe a little Battlefield, maybe a couple Call of Duty. I don't know. This guy could have been super lame. He might have been playing Farming Simulator all day long. Sorry to insult all you farmers out there, both real and simulated. He'd stay up late and he'd be playing these video games. And of course, he'd get too loud. And his mom would come in. Terry, what are you doing? Why are you yelling so loud? Mom, you won't believe it. We just capped the point for the third time in a row. I don't care. That was a rhetorical question, Terry. You can't be loud. It's late at night. Quit yelling. Okay, Ma. Well, we're going to cap it one more time, guys, before I go to bed. This happened a couple times. It's happened to all of us, right? Mom, spoiling our fun. Well, one night, same setup, right? He's up late. The entire house is pitch black. And his room is only illuminated by his monitor. Oh, yeah, took him out. Uh, Shot him in the stomach. Go us. And while he's playing this video game, he has his bedroom door open about six inches. Right, There's about a six-inch gap between the door and the door frame. But it must have just been air. No wonder why this guy gets yelled at for being loud. Shut your door, bro. He has his door open about six inches. It must have just been for airflow or something like that because the entire house was pitch black. He goes, when you turn and you looked out my door, you would just see the darkness of the hallway, right? Yeah, come on, guys. One more round for victory. <laughs> Sounds like the most annoying guy to play with, honestly. Everyone's like, oh, man. He's playing his game and he sees out of the corner of his eye his mom staring at him from that hallway like her face is wedged in between the gap of the door frame and the door so you have that six inch gap and he sees out of the corner of his eye his mom staring at him but not just staring at him he said her face was locked in a scream now he has his headphones on of course you're gonna have to be a lot louder than the game So he's used to her screaming. But when he sees out of the corner of his eye, he sees his mom yelling at him. Like a perfect image of his mom yelling at him. Furrowed brow. She looked so angry that she couldn't get this guy to hear him. She looked so frustrated because she knew he couldn't hear her. So now she's having to yell late at night to get his attention. And he sees his mom yelling at him from the hallway. Face wedged right in between the door and the door frame. He turns and he looks, and as he's turning, he takes his headphones off to hear what she's yelling about. He knows what it is, right? He knows what it is. He's being too loud. Takes his headphone off, he's turning to face her, and he goes, what? And then he realizes he's just looking into pitch blackness. There was no one standing in the hallway. There was no one even else awake in the house. It was just Terry sitting in his bedroom, staring through the crack in his door into the pitch black hallway. Now, you could argue that it was his imagination, right? He's up late. He's seen his mom yell a lot of times. So it's like an after image or something like that, right? But he says, he, he realized immediately, like, It was something else, something paranormal. He goes on to explain, he goes, I've never had anything paranormal happen to me ever. He goes, that was the only time anything that you could possibly say was paranormal happened and nothing's happened since. 
And he saw that. He saw his mom with her face wedged in the door screaming at him. And then he turned and she was gone. Now, it was so just weird. He didn't tell anyone about it. He didn't tell anyone. He wasn't the next day. He's like, hey, Ma, did you catch me being loud last night? She's like, what? He didn't tell anyone. And eventually his sister who lived with him, she moved away. She went to college. And he goes, I never really liked my sister's room. I always felt kind of unsettled by it. And after she left to college, he goes, I always kept her bedroom door shut. It just was very unsettling. Something in her room creeped him out. A few years later, he was saying he was talking to his family, and he told them this story. He said, you know, it's so weird. One night I was up late, and I thought I saw Mom yelling at me, yelling at me from the darkness of the hallway. And it was unsettling. She wasn't really there. It actually creeped me out. Like, when I turned and I looked, she wasn't there at all. I was alone, or I was the only one awake. And at that time, this, I don't know how often this happens in families. My family was very vocal about stuff they had seen. At that time, his mom and his sister said, uh, yeah, we've had some paranormal encounters as well. Some weird stuff has happened in this house before. He doesn't go into detail about what they saw, but that's interesting, right? It's an interesting thing. So we talk about this as a ghost researcher. You want to have multiple witnesses and you want to have multiple witnesses that aren't interfering with each other's perceptions. If you have three people living in a house and they're all experiencing the same thing and each morning they're like, oh, dude, you won't believe it. I woke up last night and I heard phantom footsteps down the hallway. The other two people, I can almost guarantee, will hear phantom footsteps. Even if it's just the wind, even if it's just the creaking of the old house. We covered, we covered a story recently where a mom was hearing her voice called in the house. She heard someone going, whatever her name was, Louise or whatever. Louise! And it was her voice. It wasn't, that, it wasn't like Jacob Marley flowing around. It wasn't that exaggerated. But she said it was the sound of my name being called. And it, there was a, a tone of desperation to it. She never told her kids about it. She was trying to shield her. I'll put that episode on the show notes. It was a good one. She was trying to shield her kids from the haunting. And then one day she hears, like years later, she hears her son talking to his friend. And the son goes, this place is really creepy. You want to hear something weird? Sometimes I hear my name being called when I'm the only one alone. So that would, that's a verifiable haunting at that point. The mother never told her son what was going on. And she didn't know. She just happened to overhear that. The son never told the mom what was going on. So in this type of situation where you have three people, and they weren't telling the 16-year-old, they probably knew it was a big old scaredy cat. They didn't want to scare him around, scare him out of the house. But they were experiencing paranormal. Now, what does that mean? Is that phantom noises? Is that stuff flying off the shelves? Is it full-body apparitions? We don't know, but it was definitely something that the mother and the sister individually thought was weird. Something was going on in this house. I read that story like literally last night before I'm recording this episode. And it's just creepy, right? A, a, a vengeful spirit. That's a trope. You know, something screaming at you from the darkness. But the fact that it took the form of his mom adds a level of terror to it. And what if um, it was trying to lure him out into the hallway? Or what if he turned around when it was looking at him and had he not turned around, had he not caught it out of the corner of his eye, that it would have creeped closer into the bedroom? So for all you gamers out there, Dead Rabbit Radio recommends sleeping on all the lights in the house. Make it shine as bright as Rockefeller Square's Christmas tree. Ghosts have a hard time sneaking up on you in the light. It's not impossible, 
but it's a little bit over your electric bill. Your electric bill is super high, but you're like, but at least I'm not getting attacked by a ghost that looks like my mama. Meredith Riddle, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carboner Copter. We're saying goodbye to our gamer friends. We're going to fly all the way out to Canada. It's October 7th, 1979, and we're in Wabasca. That's a town in Alberta, Canada. Maybe a township, maybe a shire, I don't know. Other countries have weird names for their localities. Wabasca. Wabasca in Canada, it's 8 p.m. And there's a mom with her little boys, with her little boys hanging out there. We're going to have this mom. She has three sons, Charles, who's seven, Nick, who's six, it's a busy mom, and Milo, who's a nine-month-old little baby brother. So he's like, and he's like crawling around. And the mom's like, I need a break. I need a break. I'm going to go out. Hang out with my friends. I'll see you guys in a couple hours. So she hides. They're not, they're not watching them by themselves, right? She gets a babysitter. They get their 14-year-old cousin. This babysitter, we'll go ahead and call her Nancy. All of these names I've made up, by the way. We don't have the actual names of these people. But. So if you go to Wabasca and you start knocking on people's doors asking for Charles, you might just get some weirdo. October 7, 1979, we're up here. Nancy's going to be watching these boys. I can do it. Don't worry. You go out and have fun. I'm a big girl, said the babysitter. I'll watch your babies. And the mom's like, okay, I don't care. I, gotta I need a break. I need a break. I don't care who's watching right now. Now, this is a rural part of Wabasca. They're all living in a trailer on their grandma's piece of property. So the grandma has a big piece of property. It's near this lake in the area. And you have this trailer where the boys are hanging out, the babysitter's there, and their mom's like, see you later. They're on the grandma's property, and so even if something went really south, right, they could just run across the field, get grandma, and luckily, their aunt is a nurse. Actually, now that I think about it, why didn't you get grandma or the nurse to watch these kids or whatever? The mom leaves. The mom goes to do what she needs to do. You have these three boys, Charles, Nick, and Milo, being watched over by this babysitter. And the mom said, I'll be back around 1030. So it's only going to be a couple hours that they're by themselves or with a babysitter, with a teenage babysitter. And Charles is our narrator in this story. He's the one who posted this to UFO reporting groups. He said, we're sitting in the trailer. And I remember clearly it's nighttime, right? It's dark outside. And Milo is in his little walker. Me and Nick are just kind of hanging out. Nancy's doing whatever she's doing. He goes, I start to notice that there are these multicolored lights shining into the trailer. He goes, I'm sitting there and I start to see these lights get projected into, like, on the walls of the trailer. So he's looking around his house, right? He's living, they're all living in this trailer. And he sees these lights just appearing on the wall around him. He's like, what in the world is going on? So he gets up. And he starts walking over to the window to look outside to see what could be projecting this light show. And he says that he begins to hear a, quote, high, low noise. A high, low noise. That's very, very interesting detail. When we talk about the paranormal, things don't always make sense. If I told you to imagine a high noise 
That's also a low noise that might be hard for us to think about, but in the world of the paranormal, it doesn't have any sort of physical, real, when I say physical, like physic properties, you know, like it doesn't necessarily follow the rules of the universe. It's a high noise and a low noise at the same time. And it's getting, whatever this is, it's not going from high to low or low to high. The high-low noise is getting louder and louder and louder. And Charles is starting to almost be stunned by this noise. It's starting to have physiological effects. And Charles goes, I looked out that window and I realized that I could no longer see any stars in the sky. This noise is deafening him. At this point, Nick is also reacting to this. The babysitter is like, what in the world is going on? Where is that coming from? And Milo starts crying. Little baby Milo in his walker. Truly the most helpless in the story, right? Everyone else is mobile. Everyone, everyone else can hold up the weight of their own neck. Everyone else can move or hide, but Milo is just in his walker. And you now have this trailer that's not only filled with the sound of this high-low noise that's becoming increasingly louder, it's filled with the sounds of kids screaming. Charles realizes the reason why he can't see any stars is there is something blocking the night sky. He said there is this massive circular craft hovering only a hundred feet off the ground. He said it was just right above like the tree line. He said it was above the trees, it was above the trailer, but that was just like the rim of it. Most of it was just covering this patch of field. They were on the outskirts of this massive rim and he could see this. And he said you could see the lights that were bombarding them were on the sides of the UFO. It almost like ran the circumference of the UFO on the side. And that's where these multicolored lights were coming from. The trailer that they're in right now begins to shake. Trailers, these trailers are not built to weather even earthly events like tornadoes or hurricanes. And right now, as this UFO is hovering overhead, it's not moving, it's just there. The trailer begins to violently shake. The noise is so loud now. Charles has his ears completely cupped. He's putting his head into a pillow. He still can't block the noise. It's a sonic attack. Everyone's screaming. Everyone's crying. The trailer's shaking. The lights are blinding. The noise is still getting louder and louder and louder. And then, a noise above all is the scream of Nancy when she yells out, Where's Milo? Charles turns and looks at the walker that Milo was in. He's gone. At that point, both Charles and Nancy, just, just, just a word of advice, Nick is completely useless for the rest of the story. He's basically in a fetal position somewhere in the trailer. He does not, he does not appear in the rest of the story. Charles and Nancy 
look and they both see that the door to the trailer is swung wide open and standing in the middle of that field directly underneath the bottom of this massive craft is Milo. Now, there's no way he would have been able to get out there on his own. I mean, okay, nine-month-old, I think you can crawl then, but the amount of time that's passed so far, there's no way he would have gotten out by his own. He couldn't have gotten out the walker by himself. The walker's empty. He's in the middle of this field, and Charles said, I looked into that field, and I saw my baby brother, and he was in the middle of the field, completely frozen in place. Charles is staring outside of this door. The night sky completely dark. The only light coming from this UFO. And there in the middle of the field, directly underneath this vehicle, is a little baby just frozen in place. Charles is sitting on the couch. And he's like, what just happened? What just happened? And he realizes that there's some block of time that's gone now. He remembers standing at the door staring at, and the next thing he knew, he was sitting on the couch. Nick, (laughs) Nick is still in the fetal position, on the ground screaming. Charles jumps up off the couch, and he runs to the window, and he looks out, and he sees the UFO, but now it's farther away. He says, now it's starting to hover over the lake. It's leaving the area. He turns around, Milo is crying, the babysitter is almost in shock at this point, and mom walks in. And Charles, his immediate thought was she must have seen what happened. She had just left not too long ago. This giant vehicle showed up. This had to be visible from pretty much anywhere in Wabasca. He turns to his mom, and his mom is furious. As she's coming in the door. And she goes, what is going on? What is go? Why is Milo screaming? Why is, Nick- Why is Nick in the fetal position? What is going on? And the babysitter doesn't have words for it. Neither does Charles. Charles quickly realizes the mom did not come back because she saw the UFO. The mom walked into the trailer because it was 10.30 p.m. Now, remember, this story started at 8 p.m. The UFO showed up at 8 p.m. And Charles, he didn't know. He goes, later on in life, I heard about a thing called lost time in relation to UFOs. He goes, I did not even know. It took, I for a long time, I didn't know what that meant. He goes, the event started. It was maybe like a couple minutes. And then I'm sitting on the couch and it's 10.30 p.m. I had no way to figure out that that was a real phenomenon or, or, or what. First, he thought his mom came home early because she saw the event. Then he realized, no, the four people in the trailer lost two and a half hours of time. Now, the mom walks over to Milo. She, nobody knows what to tell her, right? Nick is completely useless. Charles is trying to process all this stuff. The babysitter, Nancy, is freaking out. And Milo is crying so hard. This little baby boy is crying so hard that he's having a hard time breathing. He can't even catch his breath. His sobs are preventing him from breathing properly. And the mom walks over to Milo and Charles and Nancy go over to, because they're still like, how do you even explain that, right? 
they're still trying to process it themselves what happened. Charles goes, we walk over and my mom is trying to calm down Milo. He's sobbing so hard. And they're all standing there looking at Milo in the walker when all of a sudden Milo's eyeballs roll to the back of his head and he begins going into convulsions. This little nine-month-old infant is in a full-body seizure right now. And foam begins to come out of his mouth. His body goes limp. He completely stops breathing. And the mom is trying to do CPR. Everyone's freaking out. The screams now reach the grandma's house on the same property. Without any sort of paranormal phenomenon, any sort of alien technology to mute the screams... Of these kids, the grandma hears just this cacophony of crying and yelling. And the grandma comes over and she sees her grandson limp. This little nine-month-old baby, all this foam coming out of his mouth. They take the baby, they take Milo to the grandma's house. And the aunt happened to be there. And she begins doing CPR. She begins to scoop the foam out of Milo's mouth. She's just pulling this thick foam out. They then take him to Slave Lake Hospital. Apparently that's the name of a hospital in Wabasca. Slave Lake Hospital, where he was treated. And he's okay. Charles said that Milo is A-okay. However, he did add this detail. He did say that his little brother was okay. However... He did suffer minor brain damage due to a lack of oxygen for a short period of time. Now, the aunt said when she was pulling the foam out of out of baby Milo's mouth, she was saying, I don't know what this is. Like, I've dealt with people who have epileptic fits and I've dealt with people who have had seizures. And they will sometimes foam. They'll sometimes spit stuff up, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. She's just like pulling out of this goo. In a thing that's very typical of paranormal or UFO encounters, that people who haven't experienced them have a hard time believing, but this is true. I've encountered this as well. That amazing and terrifying event that had real-world ramifications, right? This little baby had brain damage from this. Saw the UFO, the trailer shaking. You had four witnesses, three that could, you know, comprehend it, and then a little baby. Charles said, I remember the event. Never forgotten about it. That's why I can talk about it to the National UFO Reporting Center. That's where we got this. We got it from thinkaboutitducks.com. They got it from National UFO Reporting Center. He goes, I remember the event. Nick remembers bits and pieces. Nick kind of remembers stuff of it. He goes, when I talk to my cousin, you know, they're all adults now, right? This story happened back in 1979. He goes, when I've talked to my cousin about it, the babysitter, she doesn't remember it at all. She has no memory of the UFO. She has no memory of the trailer shaking or the lights. But she will remember a night. She goes, I do remember when Milo got brain damage, which I'm assuming would be pretty memorable, right? But that's all she remembers about it. And we see that in paranormal events. I've gone on ghost hunts where we've experienced phenomenon and then years later, like obvious stuff. And then years later, I'll be talking to someone. I was like, hey, dude, remember when that happened? And they're like, no. I was like, you don't remember when that shadow man, <laughs> remember when that shadow man grabbed you by the shoulders? No. And I go, but, and I would tell him about the night. He's like, oh, no, no, I remember like that night we all went out. I was like, you remember when we went to that spooky forest? He's like, yeah. And I go, then you don't remember what happened after that? He's like, no. I don't, I don't remember. 
So it's ha- it happens, right? It's weird. You think that would be one of the most memorable events of your life, but different people remember different parts of it. Milo probably doesn't remember any of it, for one. He's not one told. Two, minor brain damage. Fascinating story. I read this story a while back, and I just couldn't wait to share it with you because, and I wanted to wrap it up like this, I see people all the time online. And I said the other day, my friend Magania here in town, she's like, I hope I get possessed. <laughs> I'm like, dude, quit saying that. I hope I get possessed. She just recently moved into a new house. I hope I get possessed. I hope there's a monster in the basement that takes over my soul. It's like, dude, you are an idiot. You are actually dumb for saying so. No, no, it's cool, man. What? What are you talking about? Um, she She's an extreme example, right? She's a great kid, but she's also an extreme example of that. Um, you see people online a lot talk about, I wish I had a paranormal thing happen to me. I believe in UFOs. I believe in aliens. I believe in ghosts. I believe in demons. I wish something paranormal would happen to me. And these are the stories you come across where you go, no, you don't. Like, I get wanting to see it because then it will give you some sort of proof. First off, it doesn't. Like, I've seen a lot of ghosts. I didn't see a ghost until I was 18 years old. And, um... It, 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 you can't say that it necessarily, because you think you're going crazy, right? When you first start seeing stuff, you go, oh, that's obviously not real. I must be going crazy. And even now, you know, I've had a lot of experiences. I've seen a lot of stuff. I think that you could explain a lot of it. Maybe not all of it, right? But you could explain a lot of it away. So it doesn't really necessarily give you proof. I mean, it. I I think that if you believe it, that should just be good enough, right? I don't think you need proof because you'll never have the concrete proof that you want. But then you also invite stuff like this happening. It's not anything to toy around with, whether it's my friend talking about getting possessed by a demon, which I still can't believe that that sentence even came out of her mouth. To, oh, I wish I saw a UFO, I wish I saw aliens. These things are not meant for human consumption. They're just not. You have to wonder, like, are aliens and Bigfoot and ghosts and stuff like that, are the reason why they're so hard to pin down, the reason why they're so hard for everyone to see, is because the side effects of interacting with them are so bad. You know what I mean? Like, the side effects of having these things in your life is a net negative. Because this baby got brain damage. Because this UFO showed up. So it's, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? You don't know what type of thing you're inviting into the world when you go, oh man, I wish I could have an experience. Oh, all these paranormal stories sound so interesting. Best case scenario, you see a light in the sky moving away that you go, whoa, no human craft could move like that. Nowadays with drones, that's almost, you basically got to shake hands with an alien, right? I see lights in the sky every so I won't say all the time, but I see lights in the sky making weird moves. Yeah, it's probably a drone, right? But, you know, that's the best case scenario. You see a light in the sky you can't explain. Stephen Greer is dropping flares from an airplane type of scenario, right? You're like, oh, that, that's unusual. Now I have proof that there are lights in the sky that I can't explain. The worst case scenario is you see something like this, right? Or not, I mean, who wouldn't, you know, seeing something like this would be cool. You know, the, the baby brain, the baby brain damage is the thing you don't want. 
you know, when you interact with these things, when you invite them into your life, we have no idea of the short or long-term consequences of these type of paranormal encounters. I would argue that ghosts are pretty benign, but they're just, they're also super spooky. You know, how many people, they say what, uh, what most accidents happen in the house. This is my conspiracy theory I just came up with. I literally, this just popped in my head. This is how my brain works. And we'll end it like this. This is a good insight into the mind of Jason Carpenter. I literally just thought of this. You know how they say most accidents happen at home? And the deadliest places in your bathroom. What if, like, you could say, like, 50 to 70% of all bathroom fatalities are because you got scared by a ghost? Like, you're in your house, and you're taking a bath, and then it's a nice, relaxing bath. And then you go, man, that sure was nice. And then you stand up. And the ghost, the ghost just goes, boom, and you slip and fall. And we would never know. And maybe you slipped and fall, but you just broke your ankle. You're like, good thing I didn't die. And then the ghost starts kicking you a couple times in the head. It's like, I want a new friend. I want a new friend. And it kills you. That is that is obviously a not well-fleshed out thought. I don't know how it plays in the previous 40 minutes of the episode that I recorded. But I, I'll wrap it up like this. We just don't know what... Oh, that was... That's what I was talking about. We don't know what the long-term or short-term effects are of having this paranormal. This baby got brain damage because a UFO showed up. So think about that. The next time... <laughs> the next time you're sitting at home and you go, you know what? I think UFOs are pretty cool. I would like to see one one day. You selfish... You selfish jerk. The next time you have that thought, I want you to imagine a baby... <laughs> Baby with brain damage, minor brain damage. Don't get too creepy, right? But the next time you <laughs> next time you wistfully think of wanting to have a paranormal activity, remember the story of Baby Milo. These things may be fun to look at, but only if you're not a baby. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy. What a way to end an episode. After I'm second guessing myself. I was like, what? What, baby? Now, now I'm going to get a bunch of letters from pro baby advocates. They're like, babies can see UFOs too. And I, get, I go to their website, it's a bunch of pictures of babies going, Ugh. they're all brain damaged. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>